Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. Matthew 23:37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who sent her. How often I wanted to gather you children together the way a hen gathers her chicks and under her wings and you were not willing. When judgment comes to the individual or to the nation, we often think of it as the anger of being poured out, of God's anger being poured out against the godless. It is, after all, a great and terrible day of the Lord, the dreaded day when the Lord is going to return. And there is no comfort in Sheol. Genesis thirty-seven, thirty-five. Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus says he's, he, he's addressing the people. He knows what's coming. He foresees, he's a prophet. He sees, foresees the destruction brought on by their own, by the people's own negative volition. It did not have to be. And every soul that will spend eternity in the lake of fire had passed through that open door of salvation without even bothering stepping through it. And though it is the just of God that compels such a disastrous end, nonetheless, God grieves over that which God must bring to pass against sin, against the the sinful people, against the sinful nation. This is the fifth day of the week in God's created order. The 25th day of January, 2024, year of our Lord. And it's another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to fellowship in your word this morning. We pray, Heavenly Father, that God the Holy Spirit open our hearts to the study this morning. Make it a source of challenge and blessing as we continue to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And also remember that um, coming up next Tuesday night, we have our great Upstate Bible Challenge. Be looking for it. We will be streaming that night. Uh, be looking forward to it. Be, stu- uh, be reading up on Matthew, the first five chapters of Matthew. Also take a look at your commentaries at, uh, of the introduction of Matthew. Um, and because we'll, we'll be covering some introduction. We've got an introduction category as well that evening. Hope you join us, uh, on streaming that night. And on on the website, it won't be on YouTube streaming, but it, it will be uh, streaming on the website, uh, which is www.dechapel.org. So, yes, there is an indictment against Israel, and and rather than repentance, it, throughout the throughout the years, um, Jesus, uh, the Lord had called these the uh, stiff-necked people from way back. And um, they want their own way, but and individually we can do this. We're going to talk today about individual respo- volitional responsibility and national um, volitional responsibility. We are accountable for the choices that we make. 
And here was a people who just got tired of repenting. And they decided they wanted to be independent from God. It's, uh, it really goes all the way back when they wanted a, uh, be like other nations and have their own king. They want to, these people want to separate from God. So when it came down to discipline, when it came down to judgment, they only doubled down on their apostasy and on their, um, their pushing and pulling away from God. So messengers were set. There were prophets. And the Lord sent them out and he said, tell them this. And if prophets would come and what would be their, what would be their opening line? Thus says the Lord. And, um, and that starts all the way back to, uh, to Abel because Abel had started a precedence when a non-righteous brother kills a, uh, kills the righteous brother because of the righteousness that was demonstrated within his brother. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. And though which he obtained a testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts and through faith. Though he is dead, he still speaks. So it still becomes a condemnation. A, a, the, the blood of the prophets continue to be a condemnation in a national indictment against people. And this we must understand because it wasn't, you may say, well, these, these, uh, Jesus had already told them. It told the spiritual, uh, the leaders earlier. He said that they are responsible for the, the prophets, for the death of the prophets. You killed the prophets. But, and they said, well, we weren't even there. But Jesus is talking to them nationally. He's talking to them as a national entity. A little bit more about that coming up. So, one thing we have to understand about God's love, that is not diminished. That throughout, God never loved his people less, nor can he love them more. God is love. And his love is not, his love does not change because of the people. He doesn't, he doesn't love them more, he doesn't love them less. The same thing with you and I as believers. God does not love us any more than, God doesn't love us more today than he loved us yesterday. Or will he love us more tomorrow? There's nothing we can do. You say, well, I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm going to study hard. I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to to get to love God to love me more. You cannot do it. And God loves you as uh, you may be a righteous man. I hope you are a righteous woman. But God, and but God loves you and uh, uh, you as much as He loves the uh, most defiled one that's in prison. Because the love that God has for us is on the basis of his own integrity. So one thing about love is that brings back, brings in a vulnerability. It brings to a person, you know, when you love someone, you become vulnerable. You become vulnerable to hurt. And, um, 
and to God, it's not, uh, we think often about when he pours out his judgment that he's angry, and the, and the word does speak in language of anger and wrath. But more so, I believe that it, it, God does what he has to do against an evil and decadent people, against even his own people in judgment. Um, but nonetheless, a, he does it with a, um, a and I'm going to use a, a um, anthropathism with a grieving heart. Okay? So, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus starts out. And sometimes when we see this repeated, Jesus, Jesus is speaking to him, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And sometimes when you hear that repeated name, it's, it's like an ex, it's like a mother saying to her children, she has, she, uh, she has her hands on her hips and she goes, Timothy, Timothy, what am I going to do with you? Um, we saw it with Martha, when Jesus with Martha, and Martha's running around the kitchen. She comes out and she says, uh, Jesus, tell Martha to get up, or Mary to get up, and come help me in the kitchen. And, and um, Jesus goes, Martha, Martha, you're so busy with so many things. But in this case, it is a cry of anguish. It is a cry of someone whose, whose heart is breaking. And... Um, Jesus has already dealt harshly with the leaders, with the national leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes. And, um, and now he turns his heart, he goes, he runs the, the, we see the change of, of attitude, the change of heart, uh, or, or he goes from dealing harshly to dealing with Great compassion. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So, there are also these things with regard to a nation. When God deals, God deals with an, uh, a nation, um, in a way, as He does with individuals. First with an individual, God will deal with an individual with, um, with uh let's just say individual individual uh judgment individual um deliverance individual blessing individual cursing um God deals with the individual with the individual believer with the individual unbeliever we are all accountable before God volitional responsibility. Regardless of what goes on in the nation, regardless of what goes on in the state, within the community, within our surroundings, within our environment, regardless of what goes on in our marriages and, and our families, regardless of a world falling, falling apart all around us, and that, nonetheless, every one of us have a volitional responsibility before God. That volitional responsibility means that we have free will. God has given us free will. Some people argue against that. But I don't see a problem with that. That God, God gave man free will. For what reason? For what reason did God give angels and man free will? 
boils down to one word, love. Without that freedom, without freedom, we're unable to give. Let me put it this way. When God gave us volition, a determination of choice, he gave us a great gift. And this gift, um, this valuable gift was gave us the ability to give to God something that he could not take for himself. And that is our love, our devotion, um, ourselves. You see, our love directed back to God must be freely given. I can program a computer every morning. Beck can program her computer every morning to come in here and when she sits down and turns it on, it can say, it can speak up. It says, I love you. And every morning. So do you think that really edifies her just to hear her computer tell her, I love you or her phone and maybe, maybe once an hour, um, to say, I love you or have an automatic, automatic, um, thing or or, uh, software that will send a message out to the nearest florist to bring her flowers. Would that, would that bring about, would that be love? No, love has to, there has to be a freedom. There has to be a volitional responsibility, a volitional response, a freedom to say, I love you, God. So volition is the gift that God has given us and given the angels that we can express our love freely to God, but we can also um, reject God. We can also um, turn our backs on God. But with freedom, there is responsibility, and that's why I call it volitional responsibility. We have a responsibility to exercise um, positive volition or negative volition. Positive volition is our positive attitude toward God. Negative volition is our, uh, is, um, drawing away from God. It is positive volition that invites blessing. It is negative volition that invites cursing. Um, and as we draw away from God through negative volition, it invites, as a believer, it invites discipline. For the unbeliever, it invites judgment. So we are accountable for the before God for the decisions that we make in relation to God. God, we love because He first loved us, and so we have the opportunity and the freedom to respond to that love. So we all have the individual responsibility for the Lord regarding our own soul. God has given us our, like Adam who tended the garden, we have our own souls as individuals to tend that garden as unto the Lord and to keep it, to guard it, to protect it. We have ear gates, we have eye gates. We should be, we should protect our souls from, from what we hear, from what we see, the input. Remember what I've said that um, everything that we bring, take into the ear gate and the eye gate has to be dealt with with the heart gate. So growing grace and walking daily in our relationship with the Lord, regardless of what happens 
outside of our souls and outside of the nation and in our environment, in our nation, we still have the responsibility to protect and to guard and to keep our own souls and, and, and loving God. So, one joins in with a body of believers. So you have the individual believers. You now have a collective believe, uh, collective uh, believers, and that those believers form a pivot. And a pivot of believers will bless a community. It will bless a business. It will bless organizations. It will bless schools in that local area. And as it grows, it blesses the. The state, it blesses the nation, uh, the, the growing of believers. You see, a nation with, uh, uh, freedom within the nation provides the freedom for response to God's love and the growing. And these believers, there is within a, a, a um, the word of God that's being, uh, being, um, inculcated by believers. The gospel message is going out within the borders, missionary activity. And with all of that, it comes a blessing to the nation. But then when the nation, and as a nation, God will deal with the nation because of the pivot of believers. But when that pivot of believers shrink, begin to shrink, then that nation is not as in decline and it's subject to the judgment of God. So every six, every generation is responsible for the for the um, how do I say that cultivating the next generation the spiritual life within the next generation the generation that we see now we may shake our heads and I hear a lot of people complain about this generation but this generation just did not begin with this generation it did. The, the the apostasy that began in this that well that that we see in this generation didn't begin with this generation. It is a if if we're if we are troubled with our youth and where this generation is going, we must look at ourselves because this is the generation that we that was cultivated within the previous generation with our neglect for God. So. The volitional standing of a generation before God is a product of the previous generation. Look at Numbers 14.18. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, but He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. You see, our generation has a responsibility for the next generation to come to let, to extend the legacy of, um, a spiritual life, passing on a spiritual life to the next generation. Exodus 34, 7. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children 
and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. You know, there is, there is this fallacy and um, which in this fallacy uh, is the um, idea Oh, and you may have heard it. Well, what I do in my private life is my own business just as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, true. I'm not saying that we should be knocking on people's doors finding out what they're doing in their own homes and telling them to stop it. But here's the fallacy that it doesn't hurt anybody because it is sin. Um, as goes the nation or as goes the the individual, so goes the nation. When the, when the individual goes apostate and others, and that sin, a sin is a cancer that continues to spread. And collectively, when a people, as a community, as a nation, begin, uh, goes apostate, it has impact. We can, we can, we can be all in our private homes, um, and privately sending our socks off and thinking it doesn't hurt anybody. It's in the privacy of my home. It still impacts the nation. So that goes under the, the, the principle of blessing by association. As goes the believer, so goes the nation. When a pivot of believers in a nation begins to shrink, when it begins to go away, when the spiritual life of individual believers one by one falls away, it impacts not only that individual, but it impacts the marriage. It impacts not only a marriage, but also the family. The family is the... Um, fabric of a nation. So when the family goes down, so does that nation. And I you know I was thinking about this last night. We what goes first? You know we we have churches and they you know there there is the the survey of of all the divorces and divorce rate is up so much so many percent. I don't know where it is today, but divorce rate in churches um, and it's a crying shame, and we weep over that and all that, and we lament over that uh, of the marriages that are falling apart, or even Christian marriages. Well, what goes first? Did the marriage goes first, or apostasy in the church come, and then the decline of marriages? Let's take a look at uh, um, some points of application on this. I'm putting back up my board here. There it is. Alright, point number one. How much do you blame? An individual question to you. How much do you blame politicians and woes that have come to our own nation? This is time to reflect upon my own spiritual life. Um, we think of uh, we only think of others impacting this nation, either positive or negative. As we sit in the privacy of our own home or whatever we're doing this morning, 
Ask yourself your own spiritual life. Do, are you living a life? Are you living right? Are you living as a believer? Walking in the light, walking in relationship with the Lord. Does your spiritual life bring impact, a positive impact to the nation or negative impact to the nation? Number two, how does your own spiritual life affect the nation positively or negatively? Three, there is a volitional responsibility of every believer to walk righteously before the Lord, bringing blessing by association to, well, marriages, to family, blessing by association to your businesses, blessing by association to your social environment, your engagements, to your nation, and every area where the believer comes into contact with others. Point number four, your own volition and volition of every believer becomes a fabric of a nation which they are a part of. As goes the believer, so close the client nation. You remember back the in Genesis as the Lord is speaking with Abraham and Abraham, uh, the Lord tells Abraham what he's about to do to Sodom. And remember that Sodom is where his nephew Lot and he has family in Sodom. He does and I think he has genuine compassion. Remember we talked about love. I think Abraham was a very loving man as well. And he didn't want to see the destruction of Sodom, the people, or what. So he begins to them, if you find 50, Lord, if you find 50 in in, um, there, would you still destroy it? And the Lord said, no, I won't destroy it. If you find 45 righteous, and he kept willing willing the Lord all the way down, to 10, I think he stops at 10. If you find 10 righteous, would you still destroy it? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it on the sake of 10. But there was not, there was not 10 righteous people in there. If there, if there were, if there were 10, it would have been enough by the, uh, prayer of Abraham to preserve that nation, but it wasn't. And I'm afraid within our own nation, we are subject to the declining of the spiritual life and maybe it's maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm giving it a benefit of a doubt to say decline maybe it's already declined to the point where we are on the brinks of judgment Matthew 23:37 Jerusalem Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and were not willing. God has a passion for His people. He's, he has a passionate love for you and me. And God takes no delight in pouring out His justice Against those whom he loves. 
We do not find the anger and the judgment that God brought against the world when, when going back to Genesis when, when the Lord was bringing judgment against the, the world. Did it say that God was angry? Did it say that, uh, that God was going to judge the world and he was angry with it? He's gonna, he's gonna bring their justice earth, he's gonna wipe it out. Was he, was it motivated by his anger that he's going to bring judgment against the world? Well, let's look at it in Genesis 6 verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and it grieved in his heart. Um, I do believe that we have a a God who is a sensitive God. Um, I I think it's... You know, we, we can look at it as being an anthropathism that we equate God with the emotions that man has. But remember that man was made first in the image of God. So maybe it's an, an anthropathism that God has given to us thing, qualities that he has. And yes, just a little bit, just a little bit that, that God has the sensibility or sensitivity Way on an infinite scale that we could ever imagine. I do believe that there there is compassion, and I don't believe that I don't. Or at least I don't want to think that we just have a mechanical God, a God that um, that is not a compassionate God, but just something He has to do or what have you. So, um, so how can a loving God? And that's me. That's you know I know that. I go against some people. No, uh, God is not a God of emotions and all that. I get it. But, okay, we'll, we'll see when we get to heaven. How's that? So, how can loving God bring about a disaster against Jerusalem? How can He bring destruction against a, a people whom He loves? How can, a, and when it comes to individual believers, how can He cast um, His creatures into the lake of fire? And that is a question that we are going to have to pick up in the AM because we're out of time. And so let's turn, let's close it out in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity today to fellowship in your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that God, the Holy Spirit will, will, um, reveal these things to us, open up the eyes of our hearts. I pray, Heavenly Father, that understand that we are we love because He first loved us. That our love is a response to being loved by Thee. I pray, Heavenly Father, that our thoughts and our motives and our decisions and our actions will be a response to the love that You first loved us with and that will demonstrate our love for Thee by walking righteously, by learning Your Word, by growing in everything that we do, everything that we think, Everything that we say, everything that we do, may it be in a light of our love for thee. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. It's another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lord willing, spirit guiding, rapture pinning. We'll be back here in the AM. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.
gchapel.org.